0: This is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. It's episode 24, Monday, November 7th, Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. It's insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us today, Blaine Disrud, a trader and research analyst. Welcome. Hi. Jason Cooper, trader and research analyst as well. Welcome to you. Thanks for having me. So maybe we can just start
1: with a a bit of a review from last week, since it was just a bit volatile. And the Fed increased the Fed funds rate to 375 to 400 basis points. This is the highest level since early 2008. And we immediately saw the market actually take off on that news. But as Powell started to talk, you know, we we got some statements that I think the market interpreted as a bit hawkish. For example, he said, if we over tighten, we have the ability with our tools, which are powerful, as we showed during the pandemic. We can support economic activity strongly if that's necessary.
2: Yeah, it was interesting to see how the market reacted there. I believe it was one of the more volatile like speeches that have been given and what i mean by that is the market reacted very violently up and down through that whole speech which some of the analysts and pundits were saying they haven't seen for almost decades
1: yeah it was like the market was playing ping pong it was it was interesting and and, and then as we got into the week we had the payroll report where looking at the fed mandate it it becomes very difficult to support A dovish tilt when you have 261,000 payrolls versus a consensus estimate of 210,000. So, the market remains strong. But on the other side of that, we had rumors of China reopening, catalyzing just a massive rally in commodities FX, and and the stocks rebounded as well. Blaine, what do you see coming up this week?
2: This week, we got elections. Tuesday is going to be an interesting evening. We also have CPI coming out this week. So, Given the fact that the Fed hiked and planning to do another hike in December, uh, it'll either be fodder for them or something that will get a lot of discussion as to whether the Fed starts to maybe slow down on their, their hikes and quote unquote pause. And then also consumer sentiment and inventories come out this week. Quite a bit of data actually unloading on the market
1: a lot to watch. Maybe we could turn it over to strengths. Even though China subsequently came out and quashed the idea of a return to normal or economic reopening, the reaction of the market was so substantial that it might inform what happens when they eventually do reopen the economy because they can't remain locked down forever. And thinking about the size of it, it's 1.4 billion people that are continuing to live their lives under the threat of three-week government-enforced lockdowns. And what's the impact of that to the average person? Well, Maybe they're consuming less commodities. This is the largest commodity-consuming nation in the world, responsible for almost half the consumption of commodities like copper and steel, nearly 15% for oil. And the prospect of these people returning to a normal life can catalyze a re-rating in some of these commodities. And we saw massive price movements Friday. And at the same time, you know, looking at the supply channels, maybe they'll juice up their manufacturing efforts and we'll start to hear that supply demand equilibrate.
2: Think about it this way. Almost 25% of China's production and so forth is in lockdown right now. Like that is part of their policy. What they rolled out the last few weeks was mandates to go to COVID zero in those cities, which makes up almost 25% of their population. I mean, it's huge. It's I don't think it's comprehended as to how much restraint is put on that economy right now. And unloading that or unleashing that, as the better word, is going to be quite the catalyst for market movements and the economy going forward.
1: Yeah, and just to quantify that, with 1.4 billion people, 25% of the nation shut down, that is literally shutting down the United States. Heading to weakness, I mean, Blaine, you've been talking a lot about floaters and how they impact the corporate structure, but what what are you seeing in the debt markets?
2: Yeah, and we've talked about this in the committee meetings quite a bit lately. Floating rate bonds, from a yield standpoint, they look attractive. That can drive people to want to go invest in that and want to put dollars to work there. But the risk there is defaults. And we've seen that tick up pretty rapidly in the past few months. So year to date, we've had 11 defaults of those 11, 6 of those have actually come in just the last 2 months. So we're seeing that impact of rising rate on that debt and how that happens is a company issues debt considered floating, so it's tied to what interest rates are right now. It's not we locked in a fixed rate bond, it's here we got a debt that is going to float with what interest rates do. So since we've had rates jump or skyrocket as fast as they have, those companies have seen their cost on debt just quadruple in some situations, just given how cheap it was to start with. That has caused their capital structure to come into question. It's caused companies that are, let's say, on the brink of trying to get financing to not actually get come to market with their debt. So now CapEx is getting cut back. Uh, so any company that's got floating rate notes has to be monitored very closely to see how that is changing on their income statement and cash flow. Um, and it's a area of weakness just because that market's performed well, to be honest, but there are cracks showing up pretty frequently and the cracks are getting wider and wider so something to watch
1: and i think it's a really good example you know talking about the capital structure of how monetary policy works with a lag yep. and as the rates have been jacked up by about 300 basis points just over the last 6 months suddenly that's starting to manifest in higher interest expense lower earnings lower free cash flow to deploy to or operating cash flow to deploy towards capex and you start to see the ramifications of tighter monetary policy impacting The real economy.
2: You could almost use it as a bit of a canary in the coal mine or like a foreshadowing of what could happen in high yield space because this is happening real time, instant change to the capital structure for a company as far as cost of debt and coverage ratios. If the rates stay as high as they are for an extended period of time, it's kind of what could happen in that high yield space if if we go down that road.
1: So let's turn it over to opportunities and it's the midterm elections this week. So Blaine, what are you expecting?
2: Coming into this week, polls are suggesting that uh, conservatives win some of that. We see that as an opportunity because when you get the results from an election, it removes an uncertainty that has been lingering over analysts, market participants, even CEOs of companies trying to figure out what direction. DC is going to drive either regulation, tax implications, and so forth. Having a stalemate in either the House or having the Senate taken over by conservatives generally leads to a good outcome for companies. They can adapt to what laws are in place. They're not trying to figure out what laws are going to come into place just because conservatives and Democrats likely won't, Pass a law that is fundamentally going to change the landscape for how companies operate.
1: Maybe an example of that would be in the oil space. We won't see a punitive tax on their their earnings, which have been deemed, you know, beneficiaries of the war in Ukraine.
2: Yep, exactly. Or you know, big push for some sort of new tax regulation or something of that nature that would massively impact uh, the companies how they function or where they do business. Some things there, and then. To your point about strengths and opportunities, questioning China, that's a potential opportunity as well. I mean, what we saw last week really is an opportunity coming down the road, keeping in mind that China and the Taiwan situation is still out there. So that's why you kind of got to, that strength's got to have a little bit of a caveat to it. But it is a real opportunity just because China has been on lockdown for so long and that, that market in general has gotten... Up pretty bad over the last uh, twelve months,
1: and it's not just China; it's the entire emerging market yep. complex. Because think about how significant China is to an economy like, you know, Malaysia or Vietnam, even commodity exporters like Brazil, who would be selling oil to a country like China. So we can see a, a rapid re-rating, not just across China, but across the emerging markets, and maybe a- across the entire commodity complex. Yes, hundred percent. And that that's actually a really good place to turn to threats because. You now have this dueling nature of a potential China reopening and, and Fed policy. And the Fed is trying to curtail inflation by slowing monetary growth, decreasing demand in the economy. And we talked about how monetary policy works with a lag, and we're already seeing it start to impact less liquid markets, You know, maybe the housing market, and, and less liquid financial markets like private debt, where increased cost of capital is causing a re- reassessment of what investors or consumers are willing to pay. And, for example, we've seen the inversion of the three-month, 10-year treasury, which typically leads to a recession. Not just typically. There's
2: not been a time where it hasn't led to a recession. So, I mean, it, it legitimately, the data is forecasting recession at this point. We've had the two- and 10-year inversion, which suggests or like is kind of there like, oh, yeah, we we probably will go into recession. The fact that we saw the three month and the 10 year that that's a signal like
1: that's big. So we have the threat now of a recession firmly baked into the Treasury curve. But to add an additional threat to that, it's what if while our economy is decelerating, China reopens and demands for all these commodities that the Fed is working to depress suddenly skyrockets. You have this crazy, duel, I guess you could say, between the Fed's mandate and China's desire to reopen. Yeah, How does the Fed work? They can't continue to try to decrease domestic demand when what's really impacting inflation is coming from overseas, can they?
2: This is going to get kind (laughs) of, I don't want to say scary, but you think about it from the standpoint, we've had a strong dollar. So that's helped actually curtail inflation in the US. That dollar at some point will likely break. You can't have the dollar strengthening at the pace that it has forever. Like that's just not sustainable. You'd break some sort of financial market somewhere. And the Fed's kind of been going down the road of, if it's not impacting us, we're just going to keep on our path. Like we've seen UK have issues, seen other economies have issues. The fact that you get China opening up, commodity prices skyrocketing, we're going to have inflation tick back up potentially. And that's going to cause the Fed to either have to tighten again, or we'll be in a precarious situation.
1: So something to keep in mind that the investment committee is continuously discussing is the prospect of the Fed maintaining that dual mandate, but maybe increasing what they would expect for inflation on a go-forward basis from that 2% base to maybe 3 or even 4%. Yeah,
2: I'm somewhat surprised that Powell hasn't necessarily broken off of that. He's tried a few times in his speeches where he said, the new neutral rate could be something different, but he's he hasn't quite stuck to that. So that might be something that comes up in the future, that 2% isn't the, the go-to. It's maybe 25 or 3% going forward uh, for the time being.
0: Great episode, guys. Let's uh, wrap with our headlines. Headline strength?
1: Rumors of China reopening driving select markets,
2: commodities
1: emerging markets
2: higher.
0: Headline weakness?
2: In the fixed income market area specifically, floating notes uh, need to be monitored as far as what those spreads are looking like and how that increase in interest rates is impacting that market.
0: What's our headline opportunity?
2: Midterm
1: elections this week.
2: That should remove some uncertainty. And our headline threat? Dueling nature of China, reopening and the potential policy impacts that has for the Fed.
0: the Wealth Management SWAT podcast, episode 24. Blaine Disrud, thank you. Thanks, Danny. Jason Cooper, thank you. Thank you. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.